What do the words covenant, restoration and kingdom mean to you? Find out in our new DNA series. My name's Mark Kelly and I thank you for downloading this podcast. Enjoy what's coming up. Morning. Uh, I'm wandering over here now. You'll see why in a moment. You seen one of these before? Yeah? Yeah. Let's pray, can we? Just um, acknowledge God. We want to say, Father, that we are just so dependent on you. And Father, I thank you so much that um, grace and mercy, they're real. Father, we say thank you so much that you have loved us to the end. And uh, Lord, we just put ourselves in your hands this morning and we say, God, we just acknowledge that dependency and we say, Father, would you speak to us, fill us, Lord, lead us, guide us, teach us, Lord, bring us understanding. And uh, yeah, we just want to say thank you right now for the wonderful grace of God to us in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, DNA. I'm going to be talking about an, an aspect of our DNA this morning, and I want to be talking about it in two senses. Uh, one is, as Mark has described already, the, if you like, that pattern of life for us as uh, a fellowship, as a community. And the second sense in which I want to kind of explore it a bit is this, that all of us who have given our life to Christ, we now, by the grace of God, share his DNA. So I'm coming at this from two angles. I want to talk about some aspect of our corporate nature, but I also want to talk about our the DNA of God that has patterned our individual life. If I could go on, Sarah. I'm going to be doing this from time to time, just um, giving Sarah the um, the cue to change the slide. Um, I'm going to be taking the theme of restoration this morning. Uh, this is, I tell you, it, this is so, so big. Uh, and the strap line is, I've given it, is God wins. <laughs> now, that is really important. Uh, when, as we've just been praying, we think about things like um, Ebola, when we think about the rise of uh, ISIS in the Middle East, when we think about all the other stuff that we see around us, in our own communities, in our own lives, we are forced to ask the question, really, which way is this heading? And I, I really want us to know that the, the heart of God will actually find its fulfillment. Uh, I had another line for this, and Kate said to me, no, no, you can't use that. It's too wordy. Uh, and it was really what I'd... What I'd said was this, that restoration is about God's realized intent. So God has had in his heart, before the beginning, an idea of how things would be. 
And restoration is really that, that God will have what he set out to do. So, that's where I'll be um, going this morning. Um, Thank you. I just want to check something. Can you read the print that's on the screen? You can see that. Great. From the point of view of our DNA as a community of people, uh, we've highlighted these three things. Kingdom, covenant, and restoration. And I've given you some scripture references there which you can go away and look at. Um, And the reason I brought this with me this morning is just so that it will act as a visual aid for us. And if you can imagine, each one of the legs of this stool, kingdom, covenant, restoration, those three things are what give us our stability. If you took any one of them away, then the thing would fall over. If we fail to understand that there's actually a connection, that these things interweave with each other. And the other thing I wanted to be able to use this for was to demonstrate something else. So, if I stand on this, I did try this before, actually, this morning. Um, you'll notice, actually, it will bear my weight. And it will bear my weight quite comfortably. You could, you could load a few other people on here and it would carry it. I'm just checking. Am I in camera shot? Cool. What's the point? Well, the point is this. That these things are not just theory. It's only when they start to take on life and we begin to flesh them out in our life as community together that these things really take on meaning. That's when they'll really carry weight. And that's what we are just bringing it out again as we talk about this series about our DNA. So kingdom, covenant and restoration. And restoration is the one where I want to go this morning. Uh, Also, let me say this. Reading scripture, um, I'm sure that I'm I'm talking to many of you in the room when I say, the more you read the scriptures, the richer it becomes. The deeper it becomes. The more filled out it becomes in our understanding. And it's an amazing, remarkable book that God... mystery, yes, yes, the mystery. But God has revealed the mystery, hasn't he? He's made known to us, at least those bits that he wants us to understand right now. But the point is this, that the, the Bible actually is God's unfolding plan. And it is a big story. It's a big story of what it is that God is after in his own heart. And if we read the scriptures without understanding that big story of what it is that God is trying to do, then we miss the point. And it's not that, you know, those, those, the daily bread that we often think of, the 
the daily feeding that we do on the Scripture. It's not that that's not important. But God wants to be able to put all of those things into this big story that he is painting right through the Scriptures. And so when you're reading every day in your Word, when you're reading and you're, you may be just taking a little passage, just think about, God help me to understand, where does this connect into this bigger story of your kingdom, this covenant nature that you've revealed, this restoration purpose that you have for the whole of your creation. Where does it fit? So, I'm going to take in the theme of restoration this morning. And <clears throat> there are those who have already delved into this and who have spoken about it. And I want to recommend to you in particular, um, a piece that Pete Topless, who many of you will know and remember, who's spoken here before, he came and he spoke here, um, I think it was December 2012, something like that, and he used the theme, A World Reimagined. And he was talking about this theme of restoration, and it's in our, it's on the um, City Church Leeds website, if you want to go and check the archive, check out Pete's name or check the theme, you'll find it there. I recommend go back and look at it again because what Pete does is to pull out again this big story, this big picture that God is painting. What I want to do this morning is actually to pick up this uh, theme as it applies to us personally what it is that God has done in the person, the man, the Lord Jesus, what he has done in him. And I want us to think about, I want us to see it in terms of well, what does this mean for you and me? What does this mean for the people that we are going to be coming into contact with throughout the course of our daily life? If I just throw this thought in for a moment, that um, everybody that you meet, every single person, God has got them in view. God has got his eye on them, not critically, not judgingly, but God is looking at every single person that you and I meet, and he is looking at them with this eye to seeing them restored to seeing their life fill out and come into all of the fullness that God ever intended for them as a human being. Now that challenges us, doesn't it? Because we come across people, and you know, we may have been in the situation ourselves, people who are so broken, so self-destructive, so lost and so without hope that you actually wonder, God, how can this person ever change? And yet God looks at them and he looks at them with faith. He looks at them and he sees in them all the possibility that there is in Christ. Now that to me is wonderful. It changes the way that we look at the people and the world around us. So, 
go, go on to the next one. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how well you can see that. Uh, two weeks ago, um, Pete Topless, who I just referred to, um, Pete and I went for a walk. And uh, this is one of those things that we promise ourselves. Every couple of, couple of times a year, we'll go and just go and walk. And we'll usually put a spot, we'll do home or away. He lives down in Derbyshire. Obviously, I live in Yorkshire. And, uh, you know, one time we'll go down to his neck of the woods. Another time we'll come up to our neck of the woods. And on this particular occasion, two weeks ago, he and I went for a walk around the area known as Hardcastle Crags. Has anybody been there? Yep, great. Anybody heard of it? Um, I'll tell you, if you fancy a walk in some beautiful surroundings, it's about 25 miles from here, the other side of Halifax, on the way towards Rochdale. It's just uh, north of Hebden Bridge, um, in an area that's where the Hebden water runs through. And so that's where Pete and I spent that area, that's where we spent the day. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, and during the course of our walk, we came upon this place, and it's known as Gibson Mill. And I think, I hope, one of the things that you'll notice about that picture is that right in the foreground is this mill pond. Well, Pete and I stood by the mill pond, and there is an expression in English, isn't there, about being as calm or as still as a mill pond. And <clears throat> as we stood there, we looked down into the water, and what we, what we could see was our own reflection. And I was reminded, you know how um, Psalm 23, verse 1, it says this, doesn't it? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And then it says, he restores my soul. And what struck me as we stood by this, this very mill pond was that the waters of God, the deep waters of God, show us our own reflection. Except it's not that one that has been uh, distorted by sin. It's not that one that's been uh, ravaged by all the mistake and abuse and stuff that may have gone in our lives. But the image that comes back is that image that he has and that he sees of us. So he leads us by the still waters. He shows us our true reflection of who we are in him. <clears throat> Funny thing, on this occasion, there were two of us. And it also occurred to me that God's reflection is actually not just one by one by one, but his reflection is humanity. I'm very tempted to go there. I'm going to come back to that next week. Next week, I'll be talking about the covenant. I'll be talking about God's own nature revealed in us. But his image 
is corporate. I find that hugely exciting. It is a hugely exciting prospect when you think about what God is doing in humanity. And that's where I want to go next. <clears throat> uh, just before I do, I wanted to also remind us about what um, our brother James says, you remember? He, said, he talks about looking into a mirror. And if we... If we look in a mirror and we, we walk away and forget what we look like, then we're, we're foolish. Uh, but he says, if we look into the perfect law which brings freedom, and of course, the perfect law is Jesus himself. He is the perfect law. He has not abolished it, he has fulfilled it. He's taken it to its highest level, and he says, that's who you are. This is who you are. Okay. <clears throat> I find this amazing. That what Jesus has done, he has come to restore the divine image in human form. And by doing that, what he did, he called us all in, he brought us all in, in order to be able to fulfill the purpose that God gave to us in the beginning. Let me read you the mandate. This is from Genesis. And <clears throat> good news, guys, this has not changed. This is Genesis 1, 26 to 28. God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild creatures, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So, God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Mankind, perfectly representing the Creator, was to fill out that work that was begun by the Spirit of God in the creation. God said, let there be light. The Spirit of God moved on the Word and light came. And so it was, the whole process of creation came into being. And then God placed mankind in a perfect setting. And he said, now I want you to go and I want you to extend my rule. I want you to extend my pattern over the whole, over everything that I have made. And because you are just like me, you can do it. 
the mandate has not changed. The bad news is that the qualification to rule was compromised in Adam. The good news is that God did not change his plan. Yeah. I'm not sure if you can see that completely from where you are, so I'm going to read what's on the screen. I've headed this, Image Restored. It says, Jesus the man has redeemed for us our life, our imageness, our divine nature. By coming as a man, by living, by dying, and by being raised as a man, Jesus has restored God's image to humanity. Now we, the Bible says this, Ephesians 1.13 says this, that you, you, were included in Christ when you heard the gospel of salvation and you believed. You, you were included in Christ. The divine image restored. You were included. So what was lost broken, useless or stolen, has now been reinstated. It's been repaired. It's been recovered. It's been replenished in full. Do you see what's going on? That grace, even though, even though we lost it, grace did not give up. Grace did not abort the plan. Grace and mercy follows me every day of my life. The grace of God has pursued mankind down through the ages until, in the fullness of time, Christ appeared as God's perfect, perfect expression of what he had in mind for humanity. And that is what God is restoring. The corrupted DNA of our independence-driven DIY, I can do this without God, existence has been repaired. Jesus is the donor. There was, I don't know whether any of you uh, will remember, how many of you were around during the time of the Vietnam War? Sorry, don't be embarrassed. Those of you who perhaps have, uh, coming through school, may have uh, learned about the Vietnam War. <clears throat> but during the course of that conflict, um, the Americans used uh, a herbicide that, um, before we get too kind of anti-American, it was actually developed by the British and it was used by the British 20 years before, called Agent Orange. Anybody heard of that? It was a herbicide that was used indiscriminately. It was just 
carpeted across acres and acres, thousands of acres of vegetation in the um, north of Vietnam. <coughs> it contained lethal toxins. And the estimate somewhere is around over three million people were affected by those chemical toxins that were in Agent Orange. And one of the effects of um, Agent Orange, as it got into the, f the food chain, as it got into the groundwater, uh, it affected, it changed the DNA of not just the flora, but also the animals, the birds, and the human beings. And so there's this horrific catalogue um, if you were to go to Ho Chi Minh City, I think it is, there's a museum there. There's some horrific displays about the effects of Agent Orange on human DNA. And I want to suggest this, that the enemy, the devil, had his own version of Agent Orange when he came in with that deception which caused man to step into disobedience and it damaged, it distorted, it corrupted man's spiritual DNA. But what God has done in Christ is to restore our human, our proper human DNA. And as I put there, the factory settings have been restored. And do you know what? He never asked our permission. I love that. What it means is that we now share his identity, his calling, the image of God in humankind has been restored. Um, this may be news to some, but Jesus did not come to form another religious group. He came to reclaim humanity for God. Romans 5 says this, Just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one act of righteousness resulted in justification and life for all people. God will have what he purposed. Hebrews 6 verse 17 says that he, God so wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose clear that he swore on oath. He swore on himself to those who were to inherit the promises. So, if you don't believe me, I want you to think on these kind of things. <clears throat> you are God's original idea. Isn't that wonderful? Look around the, just look around the room and here is the, the heart, the love, the life of God expressed in all these different forms of people and faces and character, personality and voice 
And, you know, if you were to go out into the streets of Leeds and you'd find people from every, all kinds of different nations and nationalities and ethnic groups and dialects and so on, it's the wonderful, wonderful nature of God being expressed. You are God's original idea. And God has not changed his mind about you. There's nothing wrong with your design. Humanity has not suddenly become a bad idea. God still believes in you. It was always, always God's plan to inhabit human flesh. And as Exhibit A, I present to you Jesus Christ. It was always God's plan to inhabit human flesh. And, as I've said there, God did not hold his breath for 33 years. He was not compromised by becoming human. So there is this marriage that's gone on of the divine and the human that God has in mind for you and I. And bigger than that, for humankind, because he has still a purpose. Now this, is, this also may shock you, but uh, when you believed the gospel, it didn't make it true. It didn't need your agreement to be true. Think about this. The, the laws of physics and aerodynamics... They don't suddenly come into being when I agree with them. They op- you know what I'm talking about, don't you? They operate... Huh? Law of lift, yeah, that's it. They operate, the laws of physics and, the, and aerodynamics, they operate without me. But, if I want to fly, I jolly well have to get on the plane. Simple, isn't it? Yeah. Let's have a look. Verse, uh, next slide. 2 Timothy 1, 9 to 10. I'll read it to you just in case you can't see it properly. And this is uh, from uh, J.B. Phillips' uh, translation. He says, For he has rescued us, not because of any of our achievements, but for his own purpose. And we've been talking about his purpose, haven't we? The mandate, what God has created mankind in order to be able to be that expression of him in the world order, that the, the created order that he's made. Before time, before time began, he planned to give us, in Christ, the grace to achieve this purpose. But it's only since our Saviour, Jesus Christ, has been revealed that the method has become apparent. For Christ has completely abolished death and has now, through the gospel, opened to us men the shining possibilities of the life that is eternal. So God was thinking, even before he set a single atom 
or electron or light wave in place, he was thinking about you. He was planning for you and I to come into Christ, planning for you and I to step up to this magnificent, eternal purpose that God has had for humanity before time. And he did it all by his grace, not because you or I were good or because we performed or because we achieved. He says, by his grace, he was purposing these things even before anything, anything became visible. And in due time, even though mankind got it all wrapped around his neck, even though he got into such a mess, in due time, it says, that God stepped into the creation. He came in the form of a man, the man Jesus, in order to be able to live and demonstrate a model for you and me who you actually are. So, think about this. He's not, Jesus is not just a an example for us. You know, people hear, say this, don't they? They talk about Jesus as he was a good man. You know, uh, he's, he was a good moral teacher. He had a lot of good things. To, he, did, he did great things. He, he was a man of justice and we should be like that. That would be an example for us. But he's an example of us. He says that's who you are. I have repaired your DNA. You have become like me. So, God has thought about us and by his grace he's called us. He's revealed to us how this all happens and now he's equipped us as we come into Christ actually to do the stuff. Next slide please, Sarah. This is how the Bible uses this verb to restore. It's a doing word. I'll just rattle through it again in case you can't see it. It means to bring to life, to lift up, to cause to be lifted up, to cause to return, to fetch home again. It's a lovely thought, isn't it? What God has done, he's, he's brought his image home again. It means to make safe completed, perfect. He's, Jesus has made that image in mankind. He's made it perfectly secure and complete, lacking nothing. It means to recompense, to give back, to reconstitute, to complete thoroughly, to mend perfectly this image that God had in his heart, that he portrayed at the beginning and that he's now restored in Christ, it is now being returned with interest. God is restoring his image in the earth. I want to, in the last few minutes, I just want to apply this to us. Can we have that next slide up, please, Sarah? It's a verse I quoted earlier on. 
You know it well, I'm sure many of you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. This is the work that God has begun in you. He is restoring your soul, your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, your memory, your imagination. And this is so that you and I humanly fill out that redeemed image that God has had his heart, in his heart. And that we find a perfect alignment with that image that we've already been born into through Christ. Uh, I had an experience this week. Um, we have a number of grandchildren. And I went with one of them um, on Monday morning to playgroup. Um, those of you who are at work, rejoice. <laughs> Celebrate your work. I was at playgroup. Um, our, uh, our grandson, uh, he's, let's say he's big for his age, and uh, it seemed to me as if he was kind of um, head and shoulders above all the other kids, and uh, he's got so much energy. I mean, it's fantastic. But he's constantly moving, just, you know, he's like a whirlwind. Um, but at the age of two, he doesn't really have a lot of control. And, um, well, you can possibly imagine the scene, you know, there were bodies everywhere. Um, you know those, those little toy vehicles, little pedal vehicles? Well, there was a little girl in one of these. And before I could get to him, he was over, opened the door. And, <laughs> and it was like, oh! Uh, now, uh, the reason I'm mentioning all that is not to expose him. Uh, he's only two. Um, it, it, was, it was more about the, the response as an adult, you know, where you kind of get into this... For those of you who've got kids, you'll know what I'm talking about. You get into this kind of hectoring thing where you're kind of bleating at them and making loads of noises off that, you know, you realise it's actually just going completely over their heads, but, um, you know, you're chiding them for behaving the way they're doing and being a two-year-old, you know. Um, and it just struck me how, actually, so often we resort to that, don't we? We're trying to modify children's behaviour and, and make them to do things that really reflect or don't reflect so badly on us and you know we want them to conform so that other people will not be offended and you know uh, if you're a parent you know exactly what I'm talking about um, but it occurred to me that I did have another option and that was to talk to the good that was in him to speak to him about that would bring out the best him that there is and um, 
You know, such a lesson in that for us about people. You know, we want people to sort of fit the mould, we want them to conform, but actually God just says, no, there's me in them, I want to draw it out. Let's help them. He restores my soul. If we all just took a moment to think, we'd all recognise, yep, actually, we're all somewhere on that journey. And this is the, really, the other point I want to bring out about restoration. Can we go to the next slide, please, Sarah? That restoration is more than a doctrine. Remember I said, uh, if this was only a theory, it wouldn't hold me up. It's got to be substance. Restoration has got to actually mean something. It's got to have life. So, it's good, isn't it, for us to recognise both for ourselves, for our own health and for one another, that it's all a process. And again, to recognise we all have our stuff. You know what I mean by that? Um, We all bring stuff with us, don't we? We've all had stuff that's happened in life, things that have affected us, caused us to be the kind of people that we are, to behave the way that we do. And actually, this is one of those times when, uh, I've called it this, this is a place for our, excuse me, our one-anothering. I'll read the scripture. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And then the Galatians reference there, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. We're all in a process. Um, it's at this point I'm beginning to leak into next week a little bit where I'll be talking about covenant. But um, I want to share with you just for a moment a, uh, a bit of a light bulb moment. Um, this was three weeks ago. Um, by the way, I have no idea how I'm doing on time. Oh, Mark's telling me I've got to finish. Wow. All right, I'll try and be quick. Um, yeah. Three weeks ago, one weekend, we'd spent... Um, how many... Some of you will know John and Joe Naylor, won't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we spent a day with John and Joe. And we, it was great. We just had a lot of time talking. And um, At one point during the day, Joe and I were walking together and she was telling me about her, um, her own, something of her own journey and also some of the studies that she'd been doing, some of the thinking that had been going on for her. And in particular, recognising that um, a lot of our focus, our thinking about human 
problems, if you like, and issues that we have as ordinary human beings. We deal with it in the mind level. Um, but she was explaining that through her own studies, she's doing a, a master's or something like that at the moment, that actually the things that happen to us in life affect us bodily, they affect us in our sort of neural system, you know, and in our health, you know, that we are whole beings, aren't we? And actually stuff that goes on affects us right the way through who we are. And brilliantly, God knows that. So we think that when we come to Jesus and we, we've given him our life and we think, yeah, okay, I'm now in Christ and um, all this stuff gets sorted and God says, let's just go a little bit deeper. And what happened for me the following day, because I'd had this conversation with uh, Joe, and I'm using this to try and illustrate, try and help you with something. Uh, I was in a situation where somebody said something and it triggered in me a whole kind of like sequence of emotions that made me just kind of go, you know, I, I was quite put out by it in a sense. But because I'd had that conversation the day before, I just kind of hit the pause button, took time and said to the Lord, God, what is going on? I've just had a reaction to something that somebody else has said or done quite innocently. And so I just said to the Lord, Lord, help me understand, what is this about? And by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit just helped me to recognise that in my own history, what was going on was, if you like, pulling back a whole stream of things that had gone on in my um, childhood relationships at home, where I'd felt basically, um, I'd felt manipulated, I'd felt kind of controlled, and that was what I was reacting to. And this thing that had gone on had just triggered all that. And I realised that actually there's something in my soul, God wanted to just touch it and deal with it. So there and then I just said to the Lord, Lord, help me. And where I need to forgive, I do. And instantly there was a sense of, God, the freedom of this gospel that you've brought us into was just huge. It was, it was wonderful. Now, I'm, I'm sharing that as a personal testimony because I believe that for all of us, we all, we all have our stuff. And um, I do, I do not that God wants us to go kind of scurrying around, rooting for stuff, um, but it's like this, that God's work of restoration will touch our deepest and darkest places. Our loving Heavenly Father, our Holy Spirit helper, will work with us to heal and to restore what was broken, what was lost, or what went missing. And what I'd like to do is, I'd like us just to pray right now. Um, it may be stuff, it may be that you, have, you know this, there are things that God just wants to put his 
we can blank that for a moment, Sarah, could we? Um, yeah. There may be things that you know are just kind of buried, or things which have touched your heart, which have affected you, and you just want to say, God, I, don't, I can't do this. But Holy Spirit, you can. So, I'm not going to ask anybody to, you know, come to the front or put their hand up or anything like that. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to pray. And if you want to pray this with me, and you know that God has got his finger on something, then please just pray this inwardly with me. All right? So let's just pray for a moment, please. Father, I want to thank you that you are our loving Heavenly Father. There's nothing about us that surprises you. I want to thank you that you have loved us even when we were dead, even when we were lost in our sin, you still loved us. And Father, now I want to, to pray that that work of restoration that you have begun in us, Lord, that you by your Holy Spirit, Lord, just as you, Spirit of God, you breathed, you moved over the face of the waters where it seemed chaotic and where it was without form, Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to come and to touch those specific areas of heart, life, emotion, mind, thinking, whatever it is, Lord, to touch them. And out of the disorder and out of the hurt and out of the sense of failure or abuse or whatever it is, Lord, to bring your form, to bring God, to breathe and bring life to restore and bring freedom. So, Father, I want to say thank you that that's your heart and your purpose for us. And we just bless you now. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Now then, that, what we've just done now, corporately, um, that is something that you can do on your own anytime. Whenever God shows you something that needs a touch, he will do it. Sorry, I've got one more. Can we go to that last slide, please, Sarah? Uh, all of this matters because God wants us to, he wants to help us to see the world around us as he sees it. He wants us to think about the world in the way that he does. So first, first of all, how do we see ourselves? How do we see other people? Do we see them as being sinful or saved? Do we see them as being rejected or redeemed? Do we see them as being image breakers or image bearers? How we see them, how we think about them will radically affect how we live our life 
amongst people. And I'll close with this, that just as we are on a journey, so God wants to take them on a journey too. And as we're coming into and experiencing what it means to be a restored person, so it is that God is equipping us to become restoring people. Um, I'm going to say this and then I'll finish. I like it. Um, you might look at somebody and think, well, uh, you're, you're a rotten sinner and you'll burn in hell, or God has already saved you, you just don't know it yet. Do you remember what I said? The laws work even though we don't agree with them. So what God has done, he's made complete provision for that person's wholeness, indeed your wholeness. And I can picture it like this if I could. The plane is at the terminal, it's on the apron, it's hooked up to the terminal. All the departure gates are open. There's no passport control to go through. There are no security checks to clear. There are no immigration procedures. Any excess baggage that somebody's got, that will get, get dealt with in the flight. The boarding pass has already been scanned. Now you think about people like that. God is not putting any barrier in their way to them coming into this amazing, wonderful kingdom because he wants to restore them perfectly to be the kind of human being that God always had in his mind for them. Amen? In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.